when I finally got exposed to mentorship, found like a infomercial one night led me to a free thing. I was the perfect prospect because I had never been to anything like that. So, you know, I go to the free thing and I'm all, I'm, all, I'm drinking the juice. And then I go to the three day thing and I, I'm like, man, this is like unbelievable, you know? And I remember going home telling my wife during lunch, I was like, I think I'm gonna sign up for this program. And at this time, I didn't know the cost. Went the next day and they dropped it on us, it was 40 grand. And so um, it was interesting how God orders your steps. I just did what's called a cash out refinance on one of my properties and pulled some liquid out. So I had money in the bank and I had gotten what's called a, a pre-approval through a hard money lender. I was about to go start flipping houses on my own. Thank God he put this in my path. And I had the decision of, do I take this money and go try this on my own, which I've been doing for eight years already, or do I take this money plus leverage my credit, my wife's credit, and because we ended up spending almost $60,000 with this program and pushed it all to the center of the table, depleted all of my liquidity and means, but then learned a skill set that I went out and raised over a million dollars in my first six, seven months of that program and bought 20 deals using other people money. That forever changed my life. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. But David E. Simons. Welcome to another episode of How I Discovered My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. Now, this episode, I already know, guys, just from knowing this brother, this is going to be a revolutionary episode. This is going to be an earmarked episode. This is going to be a bookmark episode. I just know it. I can, I can see it already. But let me tell you about our guest today, Brian Adamson, who's a God-fearing man, a husband, father, and fitness advocate. He is a real estate investing mentor serving students all over the world and a man committed to helping people change their lives every day through real estate investing. He's the founder and lead educator of BBR Education Group, as well as the founder of iFlip University. You can learn more about Brian on his website at brianadamsonofficial.com. Uh, he's also featured in Yahoo and other prestigious sites. And uh, I just want to tell you about my personal bio for this brother. So Brian and I had the opportunity to connect um, over some months here and uh, just become instant brothers. And and the thing I've, I've, I observe about Brian that I really admire is just his authenticity of who he is. And um, he's gone through, as you'll hear in his journey, different challenges and different things, but it's made him his character something that you rarely see in in life today, people with outstanding character, outstanding uh, leadership. They're not swayed by the crowd. They're not swayed by what everyone else is doing. He's really, really focused. And then the other part of it is that this brother has a, a focus and a dedication and a commitment that I've rarely seen in people, um, a, a go-getter attitude. And uh, he's hungry to succeed. But here's the, the other unique part of it. Hungry to succeed, but so 
steered by God, right? He allows God to steer his, his, his ambition and to steer his drive. And, and that's what makes his, him a, a unique, beautiful soul, man. And I'm just so blessed to have a friendship and a brotherhood with this brother on the show. Brian, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, man. And, uh, bro, you already got me over here misty-eyed, man. I, I appreciate the, the warm sentiment. Uh, yeah, much appreciated, bro. No doubt, man. No doubt. Well, I, I have the benefit of getting to hear uh, of the journey. And I, I want you to take our listeners through your journey, you know, taking them through, you know, growing up in Detroit and then going into um, college, of course, and that whole experience and where you get introduced into real estate and that whole journey, man. Yeah, man. I, um, as you, as you mentioned, you know, born and raised in Detroit, uh, grew up, you know, my parents were blue collar. My dad was a firefighter for 30 years for city of Detroit before retiring. My mom was a cashier at the grocery store for 25 years. And so work ethic was something that was, instilled in me at a young age, right? I think I got my first job at 12, sweeping up here in a barber shop, you know? And um, and so, you know, I always had this infatuation for money. And I think right around that age of 12, I knew I was gonna be a money guy. And, and that clearly meant something different to me then than it does now. Um, I understand that I'm an instrument, financial instrument, an asset for the kingdom. But at that time, it was like, I know I'm supposed to make money. And so my pursuit of starting to make money on my own started up sweeping at, sweeping up here at the barbershop. And then it led to other, you know, small jobs, boys and girls, club, et cetera. And, and none of that was really moving the needle enough. And unfortunately, you know, I made some bad decisions and, you know, the, the people that I saw that was making the kind of money that I wanted to make were, were those, you know, in the streets and hustling. And, um, so, you know, I, I took that path and found myself, um, you know, in trouble at the age of 17, I was looking at a four to 10 year felony, uh, my senior year in high school, just months before graduating to go to college on what at that time was a full ride academic scholarship. Uh, as one could imagine, I was pretty distracted, you know, with not knowing what the situation was going to be with my freedom. Uh, and all the while my now wife and girlfriend also got pregnant. Uh, so this transition from 17 to 18 years old, you know, four to 10 year felony, uh, left my mom's house at 17, baby on the way at 18, uh, and now flunking out of college on a full ride academic scholarship. And so, um, I was in a dark place to say the least. And, you know, by God's grace and my ignorance, I found Christ through that, through that process. And, you know, um, that, it started out as fire insurance, if I if I had to be honest, right? I just believe hell was real and that was probably a place I was headed. But I also believed in God. And um, you know, again, just through through my ignorance and his grace, he started to do some things in me. Uh and, you know, didn't have to end up going to prison, got on the other side of that that case, fully expunged from my record, got rematriculated back into college. You know, fast forward today, we got a beautiful twenty, soon to be twenty one year old daughter who is on her way to uh uh, doctor chiropractic program here in the next couple of months. So, I mean, my life has been amazing, right? In lieu of, you know, all of the, the strongholds and shortfalls early on. Uh, but again, it's just it's just my testimony to, to God and his grace and his mercy on my life. And that he's even blessed me to still have a unique purpose that he designed for me uh, through all of my ignorance. It's just, it, it, it amazes me daily when I think about the fact that I tried my very best to throw my life away 
and all the while he he was just the ultimate redeemer of it all so uh, i'm grateful for that bro wow wow what a what a journey man and I, and i know um i know listeners hearing your story might probably have quite a few questions and so i didn't know about the part of academic scholarship full ride goodness so you were intelligent man i know you're intelligent but but goodness i i, I mean like it was already there from a young age that so talk to me about that part right because here you are you know most most people that get in trouble don't get full rides (laughs) yeah you know um i believed in academia you know and uh i was just always gifted in class and i always had a photographic memory so I, i wouldn't sit here and just act like I was just this this like genius in the classroom, right? I wasn't that guy. I was just, so when I took an Enneagram test, I scored as a 99 as an achiever. So some of my innate God-given gifts are just that whatever's in front of me, I know how to execute. And so school was one of those things. I just got really good at knowing how to execute. I understood the dynamics of what the deliverables were. were. I understood the nuance of the teacher and what their expectations were. And I just knew how to, to execute. And so um, <laughs> that's funny that you say that. But yeah, when I look back on it, that's really what it was. It's just, it's in my nature that whatever the task is in front of me, I'm gonna figure out all the pieces in the dynamics. I'm gonna leverage those that I can, and then I'm gonna figure out a way to go out and execute. Wow. That 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 brings me to the question about your gift, man. What What do you think is your most dominant gift? You know, I would say it vacillates between, okay, I'll pick one. So it's certainly the gift of discernment. God has given me a gift beyond measure of discernment. And, um, you know, it took me a long time to even fully embrace that gift because at points in time, it felt like a gift and a curse, considering that I saw things that I didn't want to see sometimes and I couldn't unsee them in people, in relationships. Um, but then I've now just grown to know, no, it's just a gift period. It's not, there's no curse behind it. Yes. Some things you see may be painful, but, but, but other things you see put you in more of a proactive preventable place and others around you. And so I'm so grateful for that gift. I think because that one helps more people than just myself. Um, while me being an executor by nature also is another extreme gift that, that obviously has been beneficial. But I think more people benefit from my wisdom and discernment than they do from my ability to go and execute. Wow. So when did you, you know, you obviously know that stepping into this dispensation of life, you're clear on that. But did you know going back that that was there? Um, I mean, did, did you recognize it like when you were younger or did it obviously took some time to, to hit at it? And if you didn't, do you? Are you able to pinpoint moments when you were utilizing that gift? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that when, when, when your gift is being used in a wrong environment, it's typically distorted. So my gift of wisdom and discernment and influence was, was in that context, a gift of manipulation. So I've always been able to to lead people and get them to do those things that I found to be advantageous for them to do. But if I got to be honest, in that season and sector of my life, it was more for my glory as opposed to his glory. And so, 
you know, the gift is the gift nonetheless. We just typically, you know, don't find the right environments to best steward and exploit those gifts and in the way in which God intended for us to use them. And so we end up using them for our good and our glory, which which um, perverts the gift in that way. Mm. Wow. So I want, I want us to talk about the execution side. Right. So that discernment piece uh, is is clear and evident. I see that um, that execution side, like talk to me about that. When did you notice that side of the gifting? Um, that, that started in grade school for sure. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't understand it the way I understand it now, but just in this conversation, when I jog my mind back to that time and place, um, that's what it was. I always figured out a way to maneuver around whatever obstacles to get whatever that goal accomplished was. If it was, I was going to get a reward for getting, you know, straight A's, like I would figure that out, you know what I mean? And it wasn't necessarily because I was always the most gifted scholastically, but I was gifted in knowing how to figure it out. You know, and I've been figuring it out all my life, starting from um, going back to your original question. You know, when I was in college, when I got rematriculated my junior year, a friend of mine was investing in real estate. He was 20 years my senior. He was flipping houses. I didn't understand what that meant. But at that time, stated income loans were at all time high, which meant that you literally could fill out an application, state your income of what you made. There was no verification. Bank will lend you money to buy a home. Well, they would qualify on paper, but not, uh, they didn't have the liquidity. So I was leveraging my refund checks in college to cover their down payment. When they bought the house from my buddy, then he'd give me a return on my investment. So that's literally how I got started in, in real estate from a $6,000 refund check. Mm. And then I quickly figured out if I'm helping these people buy houses and all they doing is stating their income, I'm in college, but I could do the same thing. So I started stating my income. Bought my first couple of properties and did not build a new construction home when I was 23, my senior year in college for me and my family to move into once we graduated. Amazing. Amazing. He, he, so walk us through that because somebody hearing all that like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh, college, how do you do? Wait, you just <laughs> took your refund. Like, take us through the scenic route of, of that whole journey and, and also include, because I, I know you're a family man, include that the journey with your girl and your daughter and just take us through the scenic route of that whole, that whole process. Yeah. I was crazy back then, man. I, um, you know, I always, um, have been big about taking care of my responsibilities. I've been on my own since 17, right? Jumped into manhood, fatherhood at 18. So that's, I do those things by default as a provider. Um, you know, who I needed to become to be the best version of me for them, I think was probably the, the most interesting part about my journey. Uh, but back then, yeah, I provided like nobody's business. You know, I was, we had two vehicles, we had two apartments, we had, like we had, you know what I mean? Um, from a very young age. And that's, again, those things I think just are innate gifts of mine. Like I don't even, things that people think and find challenging, I just do, right? Because it's like, well, this is this is what we need to do. Like, no different than, you know, now I own over 100 apartment units and um, done over 100 fix and flips. And people get enamored with that part. For me, I'm not enamored by that because I'm like, if I sign up to be a real estate investor, I should have some statistics, right? The thing that I find most endearing about my accomplishments is the fact that I've been able to package and deliver all of what I've learned over the last almost two decades and now give that to other individuals all over the world, as you intimated, and watch them go and build the lives that they want for themselves. To me, that's that's like 
that's that's a wild moment, you know, because I expect certain things for myself. That one I did not expect for me at all. I had no aspiration on becoming, you know, a public figure. As I mentioned, I was in the streets, so I kind of had that mentality of stay in the background, you know, take care of your business, stay out the way. And God had a different plan, man. He needed to to pull me out front and give me a platform. And I'm not confused as to why he gave it to me because um, it was nothing that I desired to do. This was truly his heart desire. Mm. Deep, dude. So you, you get this refund check and you take this refund check, you help your buddy. Like, like talk to me how this real estate opportunity came about. Is is It's like, were you in the right place at the right time? Because like you said, you just, you just, you know, so I imagine you just got back into good standing with college, right? Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, I want the detail, man. Like how, how did yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny, a quick thing about the college piece that I think is is helpful. So I, I, I left I left college, obviously I flunked out. I got a 0.0, literally, right? I withdrew from the couple of classes that I was doing horrible in, the ones that I was doing great in, I ended up failing those because I was missing so much school. When I go back, my first semester back to college, when I get rematriculated, I get a 4.0, wow. right? So, and I just, and I, I don't share that because that means something to me. I share that because I think it means something to the viewers to understand that it's all a mindset thing, right? I, I was I was just as capable at that other point in time of doing the very thing that I did when I got a second opportunity to do so. And so, you know, regardless of what it is that you may be faced with and challenged with that may seem to be a failure at one point in time, don't let that define everything. Just let that define that moment. Because when you get your second opportunity, um, the outcome could be to the very extremely different, you know. And um, but yeah, the, my buddy, he was a uh, he was he was a mutual friend of like a, a our quote unquote network that I was a part of, right? Um, and I, I had really no, I knew that he did real estate, but again, at that time, that really wasn't of my interest per se. And um, you know, when he when he presented the opportunity, I think I was just one of a few people that he called, to be honest. It, I wasn't like the go-to. It was just like, hey, you know, if you want to get it started in real estate, I got a chance for it. And um, I called my buddy. He, he went in on a deal with me. And, you know, that was the start of what I didn't know 16, 17 later, 17 years later, would not only change my family, my, uh, you know, generations to come but then other people's lives all over the world like it's mm-hmm. it's unbelievable les brown said it best when he said start where you are because if you try to figure all the rest of that out you would never start mm-hmm. right i had to i had to to capitalize on that thing that was put in front of me at that very time mm-hmm. wow so so you 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 work on that deal and then how do you how do you go from there to that first property yeah, well, for me, it's back to execution, right? So I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, I appreciate this aspect of how I got started, but these people are somehow qualifying for, for properties with no job or whatever their situation was. And I'm like, I got decent credit. I meet the credit requirement. Like I could go start buying my own property. And that's what I did, you know, while I was in college. So I bought two or three rental properties, um, before I graduated college. And then what happened was I built that new construction home and everything in 2008 was, I was upside down. So I graduated in 2007, got married in 2007, 2008. We had lost 40% of our market value just that fast from a house that we had built. 
And, you know, this is where naivete kind of played in my favor because all these properties I did, deed and lieu of foreclosures, short sale, um, different uh, exit strategies to get from up under the bad debt, as many other Americans were doing at that time. But I wasn't jaded yet. Right. So when everybody was pulling out, like I'm getting out of here from 2008 to 10, I bought over 20 rental properties cash because the market was compressed. And I'm looking like, well, this $140,000 property three years ago is now 28 grand. I want to do more of this. You know what I'm saying? So so it was um, that was that was one of the rare occasions where ignorance played in my benefit that, wow. you know, I wasn't jaded and scared like everybody else. I was being even more opportunistic because the, the opportunities were so much cheaper. Mm, mm, mm. Wow, that's so profound. Okay, so I'm literally hearing this story, right? From so 2007, you get the first two, and then uh, within that 2007 to 2010, you said 20 more? Mm-hmm. Wow. And then if I remember correctly from a conversation we had, um, maybe one or multiple, like, was like a ridiculous return, like a 10 X or t- uh, uh, down the line that you sold it when you sold it. Well, oh, for sure. For well, sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I paid almost 30 grand for a property that made me 350 grand over the course of, I don't know, 12, 13 years. Wow. Wow. So I, I'm going to get into the development phase, but I, I, I just want you to highlight like why people should be in real estate. I, I know that's a biased question to ask you, but but why 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 should somebody be in real estate? And and if you could also go into how again and how it's impacted you in your life. Yeah, I, you know I think that it's the best catalyst to building wealth, right? I think it's the most stable uh, asset that you can invest in to build wealth, and that's why ninety seven plus percent of millionaires all have real estate in their portfolio, and um, you know. It's it's making a distinction between it's not just about owning a home, though. Right. I think society tells us that, you know, don't rent, go out, own a home. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with owning a home, but you need to understand that your house is your biggest liability. It's not an asset. Right. The definition of an asset is something that pays you. The definition of a liability is something that you pay for. So contrary to what society and everybody is telling you, this this home, your primary residence is only an asset if you rent it for a profit, if you sell it for a profit, or if you leverage against the equity, do a home equity line of credit, cash out refinance, to then take that money, put it in the market to, to go create more money. Unless or until you do those things, you can scream to the mountaintops that you got 300,000 in equity, but if you're not accessing or leveraging that, you're still paying for that house every day, right? And so it's, I say that to make the distinction about what's an asset and what's a liability. You know, another misnomer is people like, you know, run out and just buy land, run out and just buy these cheap houses, which cheap is expensive, right? Mm. And what happens is you got all kind of uh, associated carrying costs and um, upkeep and, you know, uh, the, the unforeseens that essentially you thought you bought an investment property, but you just bought another liability to keep up with societal standards and societal norms. So I say all of that to say at the forefront of everything you do, you need to get educated about it, Mm. right? Pivot from listening to mass media, pivot from listening to, um, in a lot of cases, unfortunately, your parents, depending on when you were born, if they're baby boomers, 
they get all their information from the news the news outlet right used to be the newspaper um chances are they got their uh their knowledge from their parents who were definitely into the newspaper radio so it's all this programming that's being passed down through generations and so you think going to college getting a job getting a house couple cars and a couple and a, and a couple and a couple children now you got to get Dave Ramsey on the phone right because you have now put yourself in the rat race for the next 30 40 years and so I know that was a roundabout answer to why real estate is so important but I wanted to give that additional context so I'm not misguiding people to think it's just a function of going out and buying stuff the, the real estate is important once you understand how to buy the right real estate that can perpetuate this cycle of generational wealth and financial freedom for you and your family mm, 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 bars uh, the reason why I also asked you to go into that, I, 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 listeners should know that you're an aficionado, man. Like you are a beast at at this whole space as an entrepreneur, as a as a real estate investor. Um, but there's a development that you had to go through, and so in this show, we we really highlight the three phases of purpose, which is discovering, developing, and then eventually distributing or marketing that gift. But you had to go through some development to get to where you are, as you alluded to. Um, you learned different skill sets. And, and I think you talked about in our conversations, just when you started your real estate journey, you, you kind of just figured it out. You, you didn't have um, all the mentorship and leash in the beginning. Um, and could you just speak to the importance of two things? One, one is the, your own personal development and how you developed your mindset and your, and who you are uh, to where it is today. And the second part of it is, the, the impact of mentorship on your development. Yeah. You know, for the first eight years, I didn't have a mentor and it wasn't because I didn't want one. It's because I didn't know they existed. Right. This is why proximity is so important. You know, here I am doing new things with the same peer group. And so I was being exposed to opportunity, but I wasn't being exposed to environment. And that was a big impediment for me because it, it, it cost me millions of dollars of not having a mentor. Okay, um, just to, to give more context to that, because people will be like, huh? So, you know, 2008 to 10, I bought all these rental properties. Well, because I didn't have the education, while I did do the common sense stuff to get the properties rentable um, and, and was making money, but I didn't plan for the roofs and the HVACs and the basement dig ups. And the, I didn't plan for all of these catastrophic failures that happen within a home, especially when you have tenants living there. And so I found myself cash strapped and my inability to go out and create partnerships and raise capital uh, caused me to have to sell my portfolio in what was called a down market still at that time. The market hadn't fully recovered yet. And what happens is real estate happens in cycles, right? So every eight to 12 years, you have a contraction and then you buy things at the bottom of the market and you ride the market up and you exit at the top. This is how the wealthy continue to get wealthy in real estate. So because I had to abort that process much sooner, sold my portfolio in the down market. Had I held that held, held that portfolio until the start of COVID in 2020, where the next market cycle was about to happen before the pandemic, I would have made like 2.8 million bucks. So so the ignorance cost me, ignorance is expensive and we can't afford it. Like it literally cost me a couple million bucks from not having the right the right wherewithal, acumen and, and, and environment and network around me. So, you know, that's that's one example of why mentorship is so important. So mm. when I finally got exposed to mentorship, found like a 
infomercial one night led me to a free thing. I was the perfect prospect because I had never been to anything like that. So, you know, I go to the free thing and I'm all, I'm, all, I'm drinking the juice. And then I go to the three day thing and I, I'm like, man, this is like unbelievable, you know? And I remember going home telling my wife during lunch, I was like, I think I'm gonna sign up for this program. At the time, I didn't know the cost. Went the next day and they dropped it on us. It was 40 grand. And so um, it was interesting how God orders your steps. I just did what's called a cash out refinance on one of my properties and pulled some liquid out. So I had money in the bank and I had gotten what's called a, a pre-approval through a hard money lender. I was about to go start flipping houses on my own. Thank God he put this in my path. And I had the decision of, do I take this money and go try this on my own, which I've been doing for eight years already? Or do I take this money plus leverage my credit, my wife's credit? And cause we ended up spending almost $60,000 with this program and pushed it all to the center of the table depleted all of my liquidity and means, but then learned a skill set that I went out and raised over a million dollars in my first six, seven months in that program and bought 20 deals using other people money. That forever changed my life. Dude, that's, that's so amazing. Uh, it's just, I would say there's two ways to learn mistakes and mentors. And, and, and you, you did the first date with, you know, making your own mistake. And then you did the last part of your, your journey all through the mentorship but wow, wow! Take us inside that man. Like, that's that's just that's just catastrophic. Because there is a part that your mentorship played, but you still had to do and and utilize your gift of execution to make things happen. So, could you take us inside that whole experience um, through this process? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I tell people, and especially my students, I get nervous. I mean, I remember calling trying to raise capital from people, 20, 30,000, 40,000. And my hand would be shaking on the phone. Like the, the, I get nervous. I get anxiety. I get apprehensive. I get doubt. I get all those things. The thing that separates me from most people is I just do it afraid. Mm -hmm. I just so happen to trust God more than myself. Mm -hmm. So I just continue to push through how I feel about it because I'm so committed to the execution piece that I'm just going to do it. And so, um, you know, that during that time, there was a lot of growth that took place. You know, as I mentioned, I kind of shot out of a cannon. I was killing it. And then um, some ego crept in, you know, and and God humbled me. You know, I started having issues with infrastructure and um, a, lot, a lot of blind spots. And it's no knock against the program I went through, but they they only really promoted the rah-rah about when things went well. So when I started to have adversity, I would call in to these um, said coaches lines, which I later found out that they were really salespeople posing as coaches. And I wasn't getting, I was getting these cursory responses and feedback and none of it was fixing my problems. Mm -hmm. And so my problems started to extrapolate out. And, um, you know, I, I lost a half a million bucks in the process of trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But while that was a dark place, while nobody around me could identify what was going on, mm. that became the birthing place of my mentorship program many years later, wow. because I learned in that moment everything I needed in a mentor that I didn't have. Mm. And so God being the master economist is Romans 8 and 28, like all things work together for the good of those that love him and been called according to his purpose. He used that time to refine my character, to humble me, to show me 
who he was in a different form that I had never experienced him. And when he felt the time was appropriate, he started to sin. I still call him God sins to this day. Um, and they work for me in different capacities in my business, even all these years later. And, um, and they helped me put my infrastructure together, solidify things and in position to make millions of dollars thereafter. And then we were able to, to kind of launch the, the mentorship program on the, on the heels of all that. Wow. Wow. Brother. Um, take me back to, I mean, cause you, you glossed over it because you, you've been able to heal from that, but not everybody just healed from losing $500,000. Right. Like, 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 uh, take us through that. Like, like, it's amazing what God did to refine you through that process. But I'm sure losing that. I mean, how did you feel emotionally? How did you what was going on? Depressed. Drinking was in was elevated. Um, it was a dark it was a dark time, you know, but I'm so stubborn. Very, very seldom is there an ED at the end of anything that I do, right? It's always ING, which means that it's moving. And so while I was failing, I was still expanding at the same time. It was, it was really crazy the duality of what was going on. I was, I was depressed and contracted internally, but, but yet I still was pushing and trying to create new opportunity and breathe new life into this dead situation. And so, um, it was a uh, it was a lot of leaning on him. It was a lot of trusting him. It was a lot of dying to oneself to be more like him. Um, I had to purge some people that were around me at that time that worked for me who were stealing from me, taking advantage, and um, and not to their own fault. The way in which I was set up gave them opportunity to do so, and um, just some expensive learning lessons. But again, it was all requisite because now our program is so different than most out there because we don't really teach so much about what to do when things go right. We teach all of these mitigation points to insulate you from those things going wrong. Mm. So it, it, it really became the most beautiful part of my journey. Um, and I know people like, huh? Like, yeah, that, 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 that losing that half a million dollars was probably one of the most beautiful parts in my whole journey. Wow. Wow, man. What, what a perspective. What a perspective. So, Brian, you, you, you know, you have to have um, a certain level of discipline to accomplish all these things. The the over 100 flips, uh, over 100 apartment units like there's a level of discipline you've had to have. Can you take us into your just discipline, right? Your either some of your habits, routines or um, because I, I think that some people see the result of stuff, but there's a lot of dark hours, meaning that you're doing work in the night. Nobody sees it. You're, the reading that you're doing, the development that you're doing, the, the coaching you're listening to the, even for your students, the coaching you're doing too, in the back end. Like, can you talk to us about the, the discipline behind the scenes? What's interesting about that. And that's a great question that I don't get asked a lot. Um, there's not a lot of rigidity to my discipline. I think it's more consistency than it is rigidity. Mm. You know, I was talking to one of my mentees last night. He gets up at 4.30 every day. And while, you know, I've taken my wife to the airport at 4.30 and made it to the gym at five. And I do feel good that day, but I didn't feel like doing that the next day. Right. And so, you know, some days I get up at seven, some days 7.30, some days 6.30. I back to the execution piece. 
I get up requisite to what I need to accomplish that day. So it's not like I'm an automatic 6 a.m. guy. I'm not an automatic, like I'm not automatic nothing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a look at everything. I'm a plan and then I'm gonna go and execute. And I'm gonna be consistent even in the midst of when I don't see necessarily the quote unquote fruit of, of what I'm doing just yet. And um, I think it's because I look at, you know, 18 years of, of struggling with drinking and, you know, so when we talk about discipline, it's like I, I, I persevered through distraction. So it's hard for me to look at that as good discipline. Mm-hmm. I think that my innate ability to, to execute has always just wheeled me through even all of the noise and the nonsense. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting question, man. And in true to form, I, I can't really attribute it to the, now don't get me wrong. I am a fitness advocate. I lost 60 pounds some 15 years ago and never put it back on. Wow. Right. I, I went pescatarian four or five years ago, but to me, those are just lifestyle changes that are, that are again, putting me in the best position to execute. And some may call that discipline, I guess, right. To get up and go to the gym four or five, six times a week. Um, but it's just requisite to having a healthy lifestyle, to look in a certain kind of way. So I don't really look at discipline as discipline as much as I look at it as what do I want? And then I got to go execute on what those things are in order to give me the thing that I want. Mm. Take us. I want to go into the mind like inception, man. Take us inside Brian's head in execution mode. What does that look like? Like, what is that? You know? It, 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 it looks like there's always a solution to the problem. Mm. Like there's always a solution to the problem. And um, the, the, the thing that I would say is different now in my life than it used to be is that I will go to any length to figure out that solution. Now I submit to God to help me figure out that solution. That's the that's the finite difference in the way in which I attack things. Now, my perspective is the same. My posture is different. Mm. Wow. Well, well put. Perspective is the same. The posture is different. So in this development process, you know, like you said, you went through some some character fine tuning. Talk to me about uh, your relationship with God, man. And, and just uh, like I said, something I always admire about perspective and posture to change. And um, what has transpired, if, if you if you will, um, with the relationship with God in involved in, in not only just your personal day to day, but in your business and all who you are and everything you do. Yeah. You know, as my territory expanded, I needed him more and more. Right. I think that the most faithful people on the planet are entrepreneurs, regardless of where they put their faith in or who they put their faith in. Um, because every day we get up and seemingly we don't know where our next paycheck is coming from. Right. So, so that, that, that causes a certain level of faith in something or somebody. Thank God for us. It happens to be Jesus. Um, and so the more that, especially after I left the corporate world and, um, and really stepped out on faith, right? My dependency on him heightened to a, a level that, that I, I, I never could even imagine, right? Because somebody who works a W-2 job and gets a paycheck every two weeks 
you kind of to some degree think that you're in control. You forget that God is even in control of that scenario because it's something that you do and there's a, a, a instant gratification that happens every two weeks in the form of this, this two week contract they renew in the form of a paycheck that makes you feel like these things are happening in lieu of what you're doing. And to some degree, there's some truth to that. But at the very same time, it's not. But when you step away from that environment and you literally oh, yeah. wake up every day and don't know where your next check is coming. And I'm saying it's tongue in cheek, right? For the, you, you get it that we have things in place, but I'm saying it to paint the picture for the, the, the listener um, that you got a different kind of dependency on God, or you should have, I should say. Some still look at it from them and from their vantage. For me, I'm completely aware of who's in control and who I need and who I need to consult with. And, you know, there's been seasons in my life where I've been rich and what I would say miserable because I was I was forcing things um, to happen because of my will that was juxtaposed his will. And um, so I had the financial success, but I didn't have the peace that transcends all understanding. I didn't have the fruits of the spirit because you know, seed and harvest is principle. People ask all the time, like, mm-hmm. so so why are bad people rich? It's like, because seed and harvest is not only a biblical principle, it's a world principle. Mm-hmm. And if you sow enough seed, you will reap a harvest. Now, the quality of that harvest is predicated on the, the, the type of seed that you planted. And so I planted some seeds that had harvest that, that weren't the best for uh, me personally, for me ethically, for me morally. Uh, and and I had to live with the, the the consequence of that, right? And so now, rather than do do-overs and try to rush what I think my time is and success should be, mm-hmm. I just submit to him because at the end of the day, you know, scripture tells us his purpose prevails anyway. So if, if his purpose prevails, then why would not just align with that regardless of, I'd rather be working on the right things in the right season even though that may be counterintuitive to what I think I should be doing, mm-hmm. then, you know, to continue to, to go against his will and yeah. his nature and to only have to do a do over anyway, you know? Wow. So that's, that's kind of my philosophy. I'm just at this point, you know, I'll be 40 this year. I'm just, I'm over the do overs, you know? And, um, and I, I want to, I want to as much grace as he's given me to even put me in the position I'm in now, I'm more focused on, you know, getting a yes from him and obeying as much as possible. And um, and and I know that the real fruit holistically will happen in my life. So as long as I surrender to, to his will. And so for me, um, just to put a, a italics on that, you know, the real turning point for me after 18 years of walking with him, one foot in, one foot out, drinking, party and doing my thing mm. um, is when I stopped drinking that that that's when the Wi-Fi signal was no more interrupted and I was constantly plugged in and I was sensitive to the Holy Spirit and I wasn't quenching the spirit anymore to where um, to where I could hear from him clearly. And that's when he's done. I mean, mm. in these last wow. four or five years. Wow. Um, if you don't mind, could you speak on walk with him my whole life um, with alcohol? How did you climb out of that experience? Um I know God, God was at the center and through the, but, but I, if you could, if you could share for somebody who's, who maybe listen to this, who's struggling with this right now.
Yeah, yeah. I um, I didn't listen for years. Like, I would be at church, it would be a sermon about, you know, drunkenness and things of that nature. And it would, it, and I could feel Holy Spirit poking me, but then I'd get out of there and go quench his spirit, right? The more that we suppress him inside of us, we'll get him to stop talking, but that's still not for our best interest either. And um, so I ran for years from it because I always felt like it was fundamentally a part of me enjoying life. Like, you know, I go to a ball game, we drink. And if I go to a birthday party, we, it just became a fundamental part of anything that I did recreational um, and mm -hmm. a time pass, right? And uh, so I just, as much as I knew it to be wrong, in my mind, I would justify that it was still okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I was still doing, when you, when you put the Franklin T out and you like, but if I look at the good, I'm doing it for look at, right. And so we can, we can justify and rationale all these things. But the bottom line is his word is his word. And he means what he says. And even for those that necessarily, you know, don't think they have a problem. James talks about, you know, how, um, some things are seen specifically for individuals, right? Like my wife can have a drink and it's not going to evoke certain things in her, nor is she gonna to get to a point of drunkenness. Whereas for me, like I'm signing up for the party, you know what I mean? That's what we are doing. And so, um, and I got really good at it just being a part, like it didn't, it, it didn't seem as an impediment in there because I will go out and still execute, right? Um, and wheel my way to that point. But what I would say is, <laughs> um, I finally, it was, it was one, I remember clear as day. It was, uh, we were, my daughter was having a dance competition at this hotel and parents, we were, it was late at night and we were hanging out, having a couple cocktails and I didn't drink much at all that night, maybe two or three drinks. And the next day I woke up and I had this headache. Like I could not, we were, we were high up in this suite. So I thought maybe the altitude was messing with my head. Cause it was unbelievable the the type of headache I had in comparison to how much I had consumed. And um, I remember having a couple client calls and a team meeting with my team that day. I had to cancel a couple client calls. I'd had my team meeting um, from the tiki bar at the the whole trying to you know get rid of this hangover. And um, I woke up the next day and I was like, man, this is stupid. I literally was like, this is stupid. Wow, I ain't doing this no more. And I did a, I did a, a six or seven day cleanse, which I always do at the start of the year anyway. And, um, we, my wife and I, we went to our favorite Mexican restaurant we sat there at the bar and I ordered dinner. She's like, you're not getting a margarita? I was like, no. So are you still doing your cleanse? I said, no, I just, I still do drink. And it, and it, and it was literally that now leading up to that, there were a couple of sermons that I heard and some testimonies that that um, Sarah Jakes Roberts, she talked about one about Thank taking you, authority Sharon. over your gift. Um, and if you don't well, take you know, authority over Brian, your we've gift, gone through the you allow people phase around of, you, you know, that to gift use the, your the gift sermon and under their authority. The development and that so and resonated how, how with me in the season I was coming out really of, where I was in this environment, you, where that's exactly um, what was being in environments of distraction, right? I was having still persevering through, and just having an education from my mindset, no matter what, 
no, there's and, um, no specific rigidity. And, but just and that was one thing. And then I was at church and I heard this other testimony that from a guy who struggled with, with like, your relationship with God, your development um, with God. And produce you know, results not in business, but to also great turn back time. And, and both of those things that are difficult to get out of your life, such as alcohol. Can you take us into the distribution of your gifts, man? So you've built this amazing education those what i would say were pivotal moments to help to other it. people but the day that, um, that i made the done, decision i just woke uh, up and uh, i literally had what most people no would want to do over 80 years, years of living yeah, you've I'm done in less time um, um and had no and desire so could you at speak all. to you know how you distribute your gift in the sense of both in your business and your gifting and i know you're a speaker sure. and author Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> I, um, I'm just very intentional, right? I, I really get up every day with the idea that, you know, I'm his vessel and I try to keep it as clean as possible so that, you know, I can I can hear clearly and I can act on those things and opportunities that he puts in front of me. Because, you know, as our mutual mentor talks about, um, you know, when, when you look at Matthew 6 and 33, I believe the scripture uh, is referencing that we do have dominion over a specific assignment and within this assignment um, are people that we come in contact with every day. And so um, trying to be sensitive to why am I coming in contact with these individuals? And then when I do, letting his light shine through me as much as possible. And so my, my uh, mentorship style is very unorthodox, probably comparatively speaking to, 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 to the world while while from an X's and O's perspective, we go very deep on execution and mitigating risks and all those things and analyzing. But then there's also that spiritual element to it. You know, um, I talked to a couple of students the other day who were struggling a little bit, husband and wife, mm -hmm. and at the core of it, they were trying to have too much control and control is the antithesis of fate. And I just asked them, I'm like, you know, um, you, you, you worried about whether you're going to have the money for the mm -hmm. deal. And that's keeping you from actually getting the deal when your job is to get the deal. Mm -hmm. His job is to wow, make the respect, provision. Man. So, so, so tell us about his job. education group and, 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 and so, you know, the work you do there. Most and, can't uh, probably resonate with that. Creating that mentorship that, that you wish you had. We're not supposed you to have it all figured out because if we did, we would have any, any need for faith. 
So I just, I'm very instrumental in trying not to do his part and focusing on doing mine and then, you know, let him do what he does best. And, um, you know, so in my personal life, um, you know, I'm an elder at the church. Um, I'm just me everywhere I go. Right. I find myself even in some, some worldly settings recently where I, I didn't even realize I referenced scripture in the middle of a real estate thing that I was invited to speak at. I just can't, I, I, I only, I can only attribute my success to doing it this way. So if you want to know how I did it, then I, I got to give you that with it. And for some, it makes sense for others it don't. But I was just telling my mentee last night was interesting about that is we can quote, you know, uh, Warren Buffett and we can quote, like we quote everybody from the world at seminars and nobody's offended and they Remotely, write them down and run with you it. But also you also have, and it's like, you know, oh my God, various methods, you, you know, all like, the different ways that people can, so can make money in real estate. It's okay to quote can you speak everybody to that? else, say, but say Jesus, somebody just, I, I don't you know, get it, right? What, what so for me, and I, and, I, and I don't plan on getting it. I'm just planning on keep showing up, being me. And for those that get it, you know, they were supposed to. And those that don't, you know, not my tribe. So I, I just, I, I really have gotten a resolve of not worrying about everybody else. I, I just really just show up as me and I'm gonna tell people what it is. And for those that subscribe to it, cool. And those that don't, that's okay too. I love it, man. Um, yeah, it's so, just been and a phenomenal I thing. We got, I got a few more questions. Denmark, that's okay. In Afghanistan, all throughout um, the states, I've uh, been very blessed. Looking to at have, looking at the know, full picture, reach internationally. Speaking to a younger Brian, we teach people in, in two areas: one in real estate, through uh, investing in real estate; two, just remote. being a man in life. Right. So it's just uh, it's not what, that you can't do it in your backyard. We show you how to open yourself up to the realm of possibilities. What would you said to the younger Brian to and develop his gifting or utilize his gifting more or do their deals with no money out of pocket as that's the same way in which I approach my business. Mm. Even having the financial resources, I still go out and raise capital, create partnerships because so many years ago I learned that was my biggest impediment next to hitting my fundamental ceiling of achievement. Those were the two things that held me back. And so I made a vow to myself to not allow those two things ever to hold me back again, which is why I continue to invest in personal development, uh, business development, uh, you know, as well as uh, go out and create partnerships, raise capital so that those two things are never two limitations in my life. And I I instilled that into all of our mentees so that they don't have those uh, impediments. either. Mm, dude, that's good. Not shrinking back. Respect, respect. Um. The final question we ask, and you weren't prepped on this, is what's the difference between mm. Yeah, you, so the good news is we custom fit everything, meaning it always starts with the individual's unique goals and then we reverse engineer which vehicle they should use to get to those goals. So we're not a, a one trick pony. We teach fix and flip wholesale and cash flow. Not that you need to um, use all three, but you have the, li the liberty and the working knowledge of how all three work so that at any point in time in your career, 
if you find a deal to be more advantageous for one of those processes, you can pivot and do that. Whereas most people throw those opportunities wow. away because they don't know what to do with them. So we just try to make you as mo as, 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 as well-rounded as possible and versatile as an investor um, so that you can make money just about every time you touch a deal, even if it doesn't fit your That's so criteria. Yeah, y'all got to and like rewind, come back and hear that uh, again a few times. Just so deep. I'm going to have to do the same myself. Um, so Brian, I want to, I want people to plug in with what you're doing. How can they, how can they get connected? How can mm -hmm. they learn from you? Yeah. How can they make you their, your, you, you, their mentor? Um, what, 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 what are the sites? We'll also plug them down in the show notes, but what are the ways that people can connect? Superb. Um, the first the first piece is, and I say this all the time, I would have told me to go get a mentor had I had I been aware that they existed. Okay. Um, that's the first thing. Secondly, I knew for many years when I was still in my previous environment that I had outgrown that environment. And I was still shrinking to fit back in those places that I had grown out of. And um because I felt obligated to. And and also I wasn't exposed to a new environment. And so I would tell anybody that's kind of caught up in that purgatory, mm -hmm. you you better off being on your own until you figure out what your right. new environment is than it is to keep surrendering to the old one. Because it's only gonna hold you back for more years to come. And so I would have been more sensitive and, and not only sensitive, but reactive to that and stop trying to carry um, old relationships into a new season. You know, I, I believe that your gift, um, Your gift is interesting because, as I mentioned earlier, while it the intent of your gift is to be used for your good and God's glory, your gift can be manipulated to being for for your good and your glory. Your purpose can't, though, because you didn't give yourself your purpose. Neither did you give yourself your gift, but you don't like God is in total control of your purpose. And you only figure that out by surrendering to him. And, and 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 uncovering that mystery of what your purpose is. Like it's interesting, I was telling one of my mentors the other day, right now I know I'm walking in my purpose, but I can't articulate to you what my purpose is. And he, and he told me, he said, you know why, right? I said, no, <clears throat> excuse me. He said, because if you fully knew what your purpose was, then you would try to show up in it and control it. And I said, that's it. That's it. 
right? I'm literally, I know I'm walking in my purpose, but if somebody asked me what's my purpose, I couldn't fully articulate it to them. Because God knows my nature and my wiring that if, if I understood exactly what it was, then I may have this mistaken impression that now I got some input and influence over it and all the rest of it. So he keeps me in this unique spot of as long as I'm following the breadcrumb trail, I'm walking in my purpose, but I still don't know what is at the end of this breadcrumb trail. Okay. Yeah, uh, YouTube, right? We're really being more instrumental on YouTube. Brian Adamson Real Estate on YouTube. Uh, Instagram, we post daily. Uh, Brian Adamson Official on Instagram. Those will probably be the two prominent places to find us. We're also on LinkedIn, Brian Adamson. Uh, TikTok, Brian Adamson Official. And then, um, man, depending on at what, what point in time they see this, I love for them to come and join me on like a free masterclass. I've been hosting those monthly. Uh, something instrumental that we wanted to do this year to try to touch more people than we had in recent years. And um, so, you know, they can go to www.iflipmasterclass.com and just find the next one, right? And they're live, right? You really get to come and interact with me and ask questions. So I, I think those would be some good places to start to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're not using your gift, if you don't know what your gift is, I'll give you two different remedies. One is start thinking about the things that people closest to you probably tease you most about. See, when people can't understand and appreciate they get your gift, they typically weaponize it. So maybe you're very articulate, but you get teased for talking too proper. Right. You could be an extreme, extremely blessed communicator, but those around you, because they don't have your gift, they identify it as something and they tease you about it. Right. And these are things that you've done seemingly effortless since a child. Um, the second part of that is to start seeking God and asking him, what is your gift and what is your purpose? And, and start to let him to reveal those things to you, because most of us have defaulted into working for a living and doing all these things that we have to do. That we forget that, well, in, a, in the midst of what we have to do, God gave us the, a, spe a specific purpose in life that we get to do. And so, you know, I don't care where anybody is at. As long as you have breath in your lungs, that means you still have purpose. And it's up to you to go and seek and, and figure that out. I, I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Dear listener. I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date, and it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats, an amazing spoken word over it 
and I'd love to give that to you as a free gift, as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast.david, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S, dot com, and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.